Hi, this is Donna Otto. Welcome. Welcome to Modern Homemakers. We're very modern these days. We're so modern, we're making up words. So if you've listened to the last podcast, you heard that we made up the word lessify, and we're going to be using that as um, a hinge. This year, our goal for the year was to know Jesus more to know Jesus more. And through the year, we've been talking about ways to know Jesus more. We like to think that everything we do here is about knowing Jesus more. But uh, sometimes we have to pause long enough to say, how is it we can help you know Jesus more? And I talked uh, when we were together about this lessifying concept. And if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it. You don't need to listen to it before you finish this show. But go back and listen to the idea that lessifying the biggest thing you can do is be obedient to the one true living God. He has a plan for your life. That's just not a phrase on a bumper sticker. He does have a plan for your life. And tomorrow or the next day, uh, in the next few days, uh, I'm going to talk to you about Joseph. Blessed Joseph. I'm going to tell you a wonderful story about Joseph and me, and then I'm going to tell you a story about how that verse in Genesis has a much deeper meaning than you may have ever known before. So tune up and listen to that particular class on Joseph's life and how he saw the big one true living God, and he was obedient to that no matter what was happening to him. I mentioned to you last time that Elizabeth Elliot always said, God never lets anything happen to us. That's not for us. Boy, and you're in the middle of a struggle. That does not feel good, does it? We want that pain and suffering to go away. Uh, one great writer um, has said that if man could just understand that there will be suffering, if, if, we could get this notion out of our heads and our hearts and our lifestyle and our culture and our societies that we could ever be free from suffering until we see Jesus. Our suffering pain would be lessened because there are some pieces of suffering that are just a part of life. You know, when you age, you, things don't work as well as they used to work. Your face looks different. Your, your, your body looks different. Your mind doesn't run as well. When you... When you lose a job, things are changed. You feel a suffering over you. These are things of life. People lose jobs. If you were all in a big audience right now, I would say to you, raise your hand if you ever lost a job. We've all lost jobs. We've lost economic resources. So lessifying, because we're being obedient to what God is calling us to do. And I want you to know that I really believe at the true core of who I am that God tells me what to do, not only through his word, but that he guides me personally. He brings to my mind how many times I have been reminded of a truth when I needed it, because I'm about to do something that's not very obedient. I've just forgotten. And there comes the truth. He reminds me of it. Or both choices are really good choices. Which one shall I choose? And I feel his presence, his nudging. So part of our desire for you to know Jesus more is that you would be aware of him. And as you are aware, you would pay attention and you would live your life intentionally. 
So we talked about lessifying, and now I want to talk today about something I I think it's one of my favorite subjects because it was has been always life changing for me, and that's just plain old home organization. And in light of this lessifying, um, we haven't done this in a while. Oh, wait. Oh, excuse me. I'm interrupting myself. But I want to tell you that the archives on your the podcast um, section of our website, you're right. They've disappeared. And there are only 17, 18, 20 shows up right now. Don't worry about that. Soon and very soon, we'll have a new way and we'll let you know. Don't worry, the archives are coming back. So if you're concerned you didn't get to listen to them or you want to listen to them again, not all of them will be back, but most of them will be back. We're choosing and um, picking and selecting. And I don't know what format that we'll look in. But in our archives, you would find many classes on helpful ideas to get organized. We talked about WD-40 as a practical way of getting organized, of simplifying, of lessifying. And so today I want to talk to you about decluttering, okay? Decluttering. And I, I know we've talked about decluttering before, but today's essence is to help you understand through the sociology and what researchers tell us why decluttering is so painful, and if you're smiling and nodding and saying, yeah, yes, it is, there's a reason for that. There's a physical, scientific reason for the pain that comes over you when you are called to declutter your space or place. If you don't know my story, I was the original mess, and um, a dear friend who was firm with me in my entire life relationship with her she said, don't carry a Bible unless you've swept under the bed. And I thought, what in the world could that mean to me? But it was a very clear sign to say that I needed to get myself in order. I needed to get my world in order. And I began reading, experimenting, trying out, listening to speakers who spoke about organization. This is 35 years ago. And now I'm one of those speakers who speaks about organization. There are a number of us in the world. I like to think of us as very practical. The book that you can get on the website is Getting More Done in Less Time. And you'll find some of the things I'm saying today in that book. But the first is an auto motto. And if you don't have a copy of the auto models, you can find that as a free resource on the website. And this auto motto is put it back where you got it from. The key word to lessifying clutter, and this lessifying lesson is about decluttering, is to put it back where you got it from. Seriously, if I stopped right now and never said another word about organization and you took that one sentence and made it a rule in your life and in your children's lives and in every area of your life, you pick up your purse. Where do you store your purse in your house? Everybody has a different place. You pick up your keys and then you come in the house with your purse and your keys and what do you do with it? You drop it on the table, you drop it on the desk, you drop it on the counter in the kitchen and then you have to put it away where it came from. Just put it back where you got it from. My husband and I have been playing a game called the mystery game. He has retired again for the third time. I think this one might stick. And um, we suddenly, we were playing the game, and here's how the game went. In the morning, or during my process of cooking, I would open a drawer, or a cupboard, or a cabinet, look for 
something I know I own and I know where it lives because I always put things back where I got it from and it wouldn't be there. And then I would say something like, David, have you seen the blah, blah, blah? And he'd say, I don't think so because he, he didn't always know what the blah, blah was. You know? He said, is that, spoon, is that a spoon rest? I wondered. It, it thought it was an awful small platter. And so what we discovered was I take it out because he took on the job of emptying the dishwasher. Now, there are two jobs that I really don't like. I do them, but I really don't like them. One is marketing and the other is emptying the dishwasher. So since David's retired again, he says, what can I do to help? And I decided to answer him succinctly. And I said, as much shopping as you can do. And he said, got it. I like that. Tell me exactly. Boy, can I tell him, I want a Roma tomato that's this big and this round. And I had six of them and I need to be ready to eat tomorrow. He says, too much information, too much information. And the other is emptying the dishwasher. Well, I take it out to cook with it. I put it in the dishwasher to have it washed. He takes it out of the dishwasher he doesn't know where it came from. So the mystery game has been stopped because now if he doesn't know where it came from, he puts it on the counter. And then once a day, if there's stuff on the counter, I show him where it comes from. We solved our problem. Uh, He was hiding it is what he's doing. I used to say it was the mystery game because he was hiding it. Now let me tell you that clutter and psychologists and sociologists tell us that clutter can be addicting and comforting, okay? And I have heard thousands of women in my life of speaking and traveling and giving classes on all sorts of subjects, but on organizations, say to me, but I know everything is, and I like everything the way it is, and I, I don't want to change my system, even though it's a clutter mess. It's because it's comforting. And we have this notion that having everything around you is cozy and bozy. We want the Afghan to be in the right place so that when I lay down, I can actually reach it. Now, it's also clutter is addicting. And we've seen the hoarding shows. We're not talking about that addiction, but the idea that I buy another thing is addicting. So here's how this sociology says. Clutter is that we don't want a sterile place to live in. Nobody, if you said to them, what would you like your home to look like? No one would say, I want it to be sterile and clean. I remember someone asked me if my house was a presentation house. And I thought, oh my goodness, I wonder what a presentation house is. I think I can kind of figure out that. Everything is ready for presentation. You don't really feel so comfortable there. So we want our homes to be comfortable. We want them to be cozy. We want our house, we say the word cozy, bozy. We want people to be welcome there. But I assure you that having too many things is a put-off. It's a put-off. It's addicting because we keep buying things and we haven't practiced getting rid of things. So clutter becomes addicting to us. Clutter does affect us. We collect for comfort. We collect for desires, a collection of bells or a collection of teapots or a collection of anything. We collect them. We need them. They're sentimental. We spend good money on this and I'm not getting rid of it. And even if you haven't touched it in months or weeks or years, 
you're not going to get rid of it because you know how much you paid for it and you know what it's worth. I had a good friend who died last year, and in the last year of her life, she said a hundred times to me, make sure the kids don't put everything out in the garage sale. Because she had some prize heirloom antiques collectibles, but she said her children didn't like them. And she was afraid she just, they'd put them out in the garage sale and her $300 piece of, would be sold at 25 cents a piece. So she was concerned about that. Well, research tells us that, now I'm going to say this word, if you're a scientist, I know I'm botching it up, anterior cingulate cortex, okay? The insula literally lights up when it's associated with pain. So if I pinch my producer, Nancy, right now, I just pinch her, that thing lights up and she feels pain and it goes, ow. And letting go does the same thing. Some of the most profound writers have written on the subject of letting go that each piece of our life is a letting go process, preparing us for the ultimate letting go, which is letting go of life as we know it here in the kingdom of God on earth. So there is a physical pain that you associate with it. And if you've said, I always thought there was, you were right. If you've ever said, it hurts me to let go of this, it does, literally and emotionally. They did a marvelous case study, which I read and I thought was so interesting. They put 10 people around a table, and they gave everybody a mug, a coffee mug with a handle. They were all different. They just gave them the mug and put it in front of them. And then they asked them to look at the mug, think about the mug, have some adjectives about the mug. They had 10 minutes with the mug, 10 minutes with the mug. And when they were done, they found out that the longer you held the mug the more you felt ownership toward it. And that 60% of the 10 people did not want to let go of the mug, did not want to pass the mug to the end of the table where they were going to collect the mugs because they're going to do that with another group of people. And companies around the world have, have mastered that. When you go to the Apple store to buy a product, they're not in boxes. They're not on shelves. They're all on tables for you to pick up, to touch, to try, to hold. I read that the laptop lid, where the screen is, the reason why it is so movable is not because we all need it for different heights and lengths, and, but it's because when you move it the first time, you add to your ownership of it. Look, I can move this to fit me, it belongs to me. In other words, you go into the store, you touch it, the longer you touch it, the more you want it, the angle of the screen fits me, the more you're willing to buy it. This research goes on to describe excesses in our surrounding have a negative impact on our ability to focus and process information. And that to me, it just confirmed what we have always known, that a cluttering place affects your performance. A study that Princeton University did that said tax task performance of the organized over the disorganized was a huge increase. Task performance. UCLA did a research with 32 families. Stress hormones spiked when they dealt with belongings. Multitasking literally impairs your ability to think. There are a couple of great 
documentaries on Netflix about multitasking. You might check into that. And then um, what they call bit literacy, uh, computer data, emails, text. Did I read that on my phone? Did I read it on my email? Is it an Instagram? Did I talk to her? This kind of bit literacy taxes us because it's multi um, multitasking at its highest level and the brain literally splits up the power so that we can remember where all those things are and I can speak to that personally. Did I read that on my phone as a text? And in my new program on my computer, it now tells me what text has been sent to my phone up in the corner, another ding. I had to turn that off because there's like another ding and it sends me to the phone. Then later I try to remember where I need to answer it from. It takes all of that. One last thing that I read that I found astounding was that there is a guy who's lived in a multi-million dollar mansion, 10,000 square feet. He decided that he was going to lessify to the extreme and he moved into 420 square feet. Because material things, which I like as well as anyone, were taking up his mind and crowding out his emotional needs. So we talked a little bit about the Jan Hatmaker book, I think, when we were together the last time, if we have it. If you need a jog about how much stuff you need, you might look on your computer and read an excerpt from her book where she spent seven months with seven individual things, clothes, spending, food, media. And any day, in every way, for a month, she wore only seven articles of clothing. And every day, in every way, she ate seven articles of food to see what lessifying really looked like in her life. Read The Secrets book, but today I want to start you with the decluttering process, which is very simple. It starts with put it back where you got it from. The second thing you have to have is three large trash bags. And those trash bags have names. Yes, we have so much time around here. We name our trash bags. They allow you to lessify your decision making. What makes you tired is not what you do, but what you don't do. The things that are left undone. And I have discovered that I used to call myself a bunny trailer. I thought I was the only bunny trailer in the world. It turns out that women tell me all the time how easily they're distracted. They're in one room. They find something that belongs in another room. They walk through the house. They pick up something from another room that belongs someplace else. They go through the kitchen. They feel thirsty. They make iced tea, and they forgot what they were doing in the first room altogether. And I can say amen and amen to that one. I've done it thousands of times. So the three bags in organizing or decluttering a space. If you were to class with me, and if you live in the Phoenix metro area, we have a three-hour class coming up on October 5th here in uh, Phoenix at, at the Valley View uh, Church, the Valley View Bible Church on Lincoln Avenue. It's a three-hour class. This process is demonstrated but also more detailed during the class. We cover all sorts of things in that class from organizing our closets to our kitchen, to menus, to table decorations, and how to instill uh, family eating principles in your family. So come if you can. 
you can see online how to register for that class. The three trash bags will keep you from making too many decisions. You'll lessify your decisions. When you decide to declutter something and practice it, open up a drawer. Commit to doing just one drawer. Commit to doing one drawer. Second thing, commit to making only one of three decisions. That's what the three bags are. Give away, put away, and throw away. Give away, put away, and throw away. And the last one thing is to spend one section of time, 15 minutes only. And if you don't have a timer on your phone or you don't have a timer in your kitchen or your microwave or someplace, find some way to time yourself for 15 minutes. There is some psychology to knowing the clock is ticking and you are working at a pace. You're not leaving your drawer. You're staying right in front of one drawer. And here's what you do. You take everything out of that drawer. And let's start with the lingerie drawer because it seems to gather things from everywhere. You take everything out of the lingerie drawer. The drawer is empty. If you have a minute, wipe it out. Secondly, put back into the lingerie drawer only what is lingerie. I don't think I need to describe that to you. But you're going to find in there a book, a Crayola, a piece of jewelry, a toy you hid from one of the kids you forgot was there and they've forgotten it also, a gift you bought that you're going to give later and you wanted to hide it. All of that comes out of the drawer, doesn't go back in the drawer, and it, just, it categorizes into one of the three bags. Either the giveaway, put away, or throw away. Giveaways are easy. Give them to some agency, to the homeless shelters that people are starting new homes. They need absolutely everything. Give it away. Throw it away is even easier. Take it out to the trash can. And I used to say this because moms would say to me, wives particularly, I, I put it all on the trash can. My husband saw me and he went and took some of it out. And so if you're taking a bag to the trash can, open it up and pour a gallon of water over it. Nobody wants a soggy thing. It's trash. Just get rid of it, okay? I don't know if that's environmentally sound now. We probably should consider that. Throw it away, give it away. And the last one is put away. Now, if you want to declutter your home, lessify by lessify your lifestyle by decluttering. The process I've just told you has to be done with every space in your house, every drawer, every cabinet, every closet. And right now, if you have a clutter mess, you feel overwhelmed hearing me say that. But I'm asking you to do it in 15-minute intervals, period. Most of us have 15 minutes a day that we can take and block out for decluttering. I've been doing it myself in our garage the last 30 days. I go out there for 15 minutes and I've started in one corner of the garage where we have built-in cabinets and I'm going to work all the way around to the other corner of the garage. And I'm taking things out of the car that just get found in there. My grandson left his thing and there it's over still there. I'm lessifying and doing what I'm asking you to do in my garage at 15 minutes. When I'm through with 15 minutes, one, I've finished something. I like the done. I finished it because I did my 15 minutes. Two, I'm on, the, on a roll. And three, I've gotten rid of things that go in the giveaway and throwaway bag. When I'm done with my whole house, I go through the put-away bags because you'll find the put-away bags will categorize themselves. There'll be some things for a son's room, a husband's shop, the basement, 
maybe it's been in there for several weeks now and you find you don't really want it, you're going to give it away instead. The beginning of lessifying your life is decluttering practically and organizing your personal world. I hope this is helpful and useful to you. Again, you can find more detailed information about this project and the ease with which it is to do it um, in the book offered by our website, The Secrets to Getting More Done in Less Time. I am Donna Otto. We are Modern Homemakers, and we've been glad to be with you today. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of decluttering and lessifying your life. <music>